I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job. And today I have the lovely Jessica Barkley, who we've already been having a great time. Sorry, you guys weren't invited to the, the pre-game uh, party, but um, she is amazing. I do not want your job even a little bit, Jessica. It feels, I have a lot of trauma surrounding your job, which we will talk about in a moment, but I am so glad that you have your job and I feel like more people need a you and your job in their life. So Jessica, what is your job title? Hello, hello. Um, so my official job title is I'm a lifestyle and organisation coach. Um, although I feel like there should be mentor on the end as well, because it's not like like with life coaching, you're not meant to give people the answers. And I very much do give a lot of answers with my work. And there's a whole whole debate and argument just in the title of coach and mentor, isn't there? Um, but I, yeah. I, I just love... I love organizing. I'm Monica. I'm very Monica. Um, I, I vacuum for fun. <laughs> it, is, it is. It's my fun. It's my happy place. Um, I started my, like, my first career was a wedding and event coordinator. Uh, but the lifestyle of it just didn't fit. I, I had a, my first, first husband. That sounds terrible. I haven't had a second husband, but my, I'm not married anymore. Um, but my, my first husband had three kids, two, which lived with us full time. And once we were together, being a wedding and event coordinator, I mean, I used to run like 60 weddings a year. A so lot. clearly very organized from that point of view. Uh, what was a baptism of fire I had to sort of jump in. I think my first venue show round, I didn't know what a wedding breakfast was, which is in the UK, what we call the meal that you have after the wedding. So yeah, baptism of Which, fire. by the way, is very confusing for Americans in the UK. We're like, are you coming to the wedding breakfast? I'm like, no, we're leaving after the reception. Yeah. But it's, and they're like, I feel like we just... And it's never at breakfast time. No one knows. No, it is the meal after the wedding. It's very, very yeah. confusing. Like, yeah. I feel like, yes, a breakfast yeah. is clearly breakfast. Yeah. And yeah. Brits aren't even, like, down for breakfast for dinner. Like, that is a very, it's not like, you know, People like, oh, we're going to have a fry up for tea. Like, that's not a thing. So it's not even like you would have breakfast for dinner. It's all, yeah, anyway. But yes, so you were that. And now you have moved into helping people organize their lives and universe, um, et cetera. Oh, wait, there was more in between. Oh, I'm so sorry. Carry on. I'm such, uh, so my, my friends will very easily call me a cat of nine lives. And I'll suddenly go off on like another story of this thing. And they were like, was this in a past life? How did you fit that in? <laughs> but I went from, because it, yeah, because it didn't fit with work. So I, I worked for some venues and then I went freelance and worked for myself. So I've basically worked for myself since I was in my early twenties. Um, and even before that, when I worked for a venue, as long as I was making enough money that they were like, eh, they just left me to it. And I think that's the only reason I managed to survive working for someone else. I'm not a person that can work for, for other businesses. It just does, does not go well at all. Can't do it. Natural entrepreneur, solopreneur, whatever you want to call me. But I just, I can't work for other people. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went from that into setting up my own bed and breakfasts. So I converted the house that I had into a guest house. I lived down in Cornwall, a really popular area. 
that went really well sold that bought a bigger one that my solicitor dealing with the purchase did say you know this is not a viable business uh to which i responded i just need the plumbing because with the first building i'd had to put new plumbing in to bathrooms that didn't exist and i just did not want to do that again that was horrid so i was like i just need the plumbing um i don't care about the rest um but i i absolutely loved the, like the organization of working out how to make the rooms work and how things fit together and i just saw spaces differently i'd look at a space and that second place had so much furniture like the rooms you wouldn't be able to open the door into a bedroom but they'd have like a triple wardrobe two massive bedside cabinets a chest of drawers and a dressing table and the average stay was three nights so it's like you do not need all that stuff for three nights just, just doesn't happen and um, but i'd look at a space and i'd be like this is completely wrong this makes no in my head i'm like this makes no sense this hurts my brain and that's when i think i started to notice that i see spaces differently and I can come up with solutions differently. And um, so, yeah, over the years, it sort of built up. I had a little stint in the health and wellness industry, um, which is where I learned a lot of my coaching foundational stuff. So learned how to coach and teach. And um, so then, then I was able to teach what I'd learned in my first two careers. I then learned how to teach in my third career, <laughs> which led me on to my fourth one. So although they're like four very different things they were my education along with qualifications and official things but they were the education that allows me to be good at what I do now and, and sort of help me tap into what I do now if that makes sense. I think yeah, it makes perfect sense and I think that so much of what you do does require just like a natural inclination to those types of things and having a slightly different perspective on how you see things, et cetera. Like, do you see a mess and just want to curl up into a ball and cry? Or do you see a mess and innately want to be like, yes, we're going to fix this. And <laughs> Challenge accepted. Right. So I have to ask, obviously, I mean, do you have like a, a whole shrine to Kim and Aggie somewhere in your yes. home? <laughs> no, they use too many products. I'm, I'm very like simple. If I can find a way of doing something in less time and with less stuff, I am there. I, I, as a, this is the first year I've kind of dubbed myself a minimalist and I have stuff. It's not like everything is white. Um, although behind me at the moment is lots to of say, white. Evidence to the contrary, notwithstanding. All the, camera is the other side of the camera. <laughs> But um, the rest of my house is is not all white. Every every room has colour and things going on in it. And I decided that this year I was going to dub it my year of less. And everything I touched, I was going to find a way of trying to make it simpler. So that was physical, metaphorical, virtual, digital, everything. I have tried to find a simpler way of doing it. And I've been I've been doing this over the years anyway. But I just thought it would be like a fun little extra challenge. So I've got like no spend rules that are literally stuck on my wall because ADHD, ADHD people are not great with money. <laughs> we love spending yeah. it. We have no impulse control whatsoever. I so I had to, yeah, it's very written on my wall in <laughs> big letters. Um, so I've been doing like even more fine tuning where possible, which got down to my cleaning bucket. I was like, why do I have a multi-purpose that is not multi-purpose? Because so many multi-purposes do not do glass. And so I now make my own <laughs> so that I can only have one product. Like, and, But that brings me joy. Making little tweaks like that brings me joy. 
And when I go into, and I've got one of my clients, I'm now starting making her cleaning products <laughs> so that she can have less in her cupboard. Cause she's like, I just, I don't get why I've got so many products and none of them seem to do a good job. And I was like, that's cause there should only be one that does it right. And I think whether it's your cleaning bucket or the apps on your phone um, or your filing system or how you have your clothes in your wardrobe, so often we get way too into being like, I've got to have all these different things that do everything to us to a higher level. And then we don't ever use any of them. We'd be better off having one thing that was maybe not as specific but that we got around to using it and it was simple and life was simpler. And um, so it's like all the apps, all the productivity apps and things that you get and everyone's like, oh, which one do you use? You must be really into that. And I was like, yes, yeah, so I use notes. <laughs> I use notes. I have Trello as well. Trello, Trello is life. <laughs> but I, the basic foundation is notes. And it was like, oh, what do you do your to-do list on? That must be a really fancy thing. And I'm like, yeah, I use a notepad. It's got lines on it and, and an elastic band. And like the fanciest thing about my to-do list system is that the notepad has a pocket for the pen. You don't, you don't need anything fancier than that. As long as there's a pen attached to where you're writing your to-do lists, you're golden. It's not the actual product. It's how it's the system that you've got to use it. Um, and I, just find a lot of the products and stuff end up being distracting so whether it's my like cleaning bucket or anything in life I'm like what's the simplest way of doing this I'm super lazy I want my the lazy business version. my business coach has the same obsession with like notepads and stuff and he his big tip for entrepreneurs and business people is have a notepad everywhere like have one at your desk, have one that you keep for business things and one that you keep for personal things, have them in your car, have them in your, like in your kid's diaper bag, like whatever it is that you're doing, have a notepad there. He was like, because shit is going to come into your head and the physical act of writing as opposed to typing in your phone actually makes you remember it more, A, and then B, you're more likely to then act on it. And it's very good advice that I have still not taken. But I am aware that that is his advice. So far, I haven't missed any of that. But I am intrigued at the fact that you help, like this is your whole job, is helping people be more organized, et cetera. So full disclosure, I am the child of hoarders. Um, and like not in that, oh, isn't that funny? But like in like the television show, like, oh my God, like people have children in this space, like hoarding. And so as a result, my house has no stuff like my kids each have a small bucket and they are allowed to fill that with toys and everything else is donated and we do not have knickknacks or tchotchkes like none of that I have a one in and one out policy for clothing we do not bring junk mail into the house it's not allowed out of the garage because that's where the recycling bin is like I am a super Nazi about it and it drives my friend's and family, people who love me crazy because they want to, people like to give gifts. Oh, Everybody's so always like, oh, what can I give you? You can nothing. give me the gift of respecting my wishes of not giving me anything. Exactly. And space. So I just like this, this empty space and that is space that needs to be filled. And then there's space and it's a noun and it's a physical thing and it does not need anything to go you don't need to put anything on top of it or in it or around it it's space for space 
<laughs> so I'm like, empty space and space. They're two different things. Do not put anything on top of my space. I like my space. <laughs> it's like a visual thing for me. I'm like, I am definitely a like tidy space, tidy mind kind of person. So mm -hmm. like I, I live in a household of other humans who are perhaps less particular than me. And it's an ongoing thing that I'll like walk in and everybody will have like put their handbag down on the kitchen counter. And like, there'll be something that the kids were playing with and like laundry that didn't quite make it to be put away. And it'll, I'll be like, okay, I can't now. I can't. All of this is too much. I'm going to need everybody to stop what you're doing and deal with your shit and get it out of my space. But mom, no, mm -mm. everybody up, put it away because it is stressing me out and your laziness is not going to impact my mental health. Mm -hmm. That's how, that's where we're at. So like that is very much who I am. I know that if my parents were here to hear me say I'm the child of hoarders, they'd be like, wow, but we're, yes, they are. Well, one of them is dead, so he's not anything. But my mom was definitely a hoarder. Mm -hmm. They never, as a kid, like, they would never self be self-aware now. They certainly wouldn't have been self-aware when I was younger. How do you get people to recognize that they need your help? And then how do you handle like those first meetings? Because I would think that there's a bit of a like, oh crap, you live like this moment. Like even if you like a challenge, like yeah, there's never a limit. You know what I mean? So how how do you handle those two things in particular? So I think I'm lucky in the fact that by the time a lot of people come to me, they've already realized that they want something different. They might not necessarily know why. So they might come to me for a digital organization and then actually we get talking and we realize the problem is start at least starting somewhere else. Um, and it's normally a representation of something else, some other issue. Um, so they're normally aware, there's normally a certain amount of awareness there. But one of the things I do try and talk about, so like my online membership is called the Happy Lifestyle Club, because a lot of people, they realize they want to be happier and they're not quite sure how to go about it. And while there are loads of different aspects, I'm not saying you declutter and you're instantly happier. Um, they're big advocate for therapy, <laughs> which can obviously be a key part in finding happiness and understanding what happiness is and things. But that is often the trigger is people just like, I just want to be happier. And I haven't. I've tried everything and nothing's really worked. And they might have like tried going to the gym and getting super skinny and decided that that's like the fountain of happiness. And it's not, that's a lie. Um, but it's very rare that that's the fountain of happiness for many people. Um, so they're just, they're looking for something. It might not necessarily know that it's decluttering and being more organized. And a big part of getting organized is understanding what you love and what you want physically around you, but in your calendar, what do you want to be doing with your time as well? And that obviously you want to be doing things that make you happy. So there's a lot of connection there with it. And so sometimes, yeah, it's just that little spark of, I want, I want to be happy and I don't know how to do it. And they go looking and they're like, oh, a club called the Happy Lifestyle. Well, that's me. And then I'm like, come on in. Let me help you declutter. I'm like, what? What, what? what are we doing? And I was like, well, a lot of unhappiness is rooted in the fact that you are drowning in things that don't make you happy. And they're like, oh yeah, I am. Yeah, that's a very good point. And suddenly everything gets lighter. I mean, there's lots of talk of um, like people getting like detox effects. They'll get like the squits <laughs> stuff after they've decluttered the 
because it's like this big release and all the built up goes and all that kind of thing, which is, I find really interesting and very true. Um, it is like an, a sort of a natural detox, like whether you are into the more, I'm going to say woo-woo. I believe in a lot of woo-woo stuff, but people know what I mean when I say woo-woo. So whether yeah, you're into the woo-woo stuff or whether you're into the science stuff, I'm using inverted commas around science. Like it's made up and science stuff. There is a lot of conversations about our things absorbing energy and whatever, but at the very least they're absorbing some of our attention. And I'd rather put my attention on things that are beautiful and bring me joy and make me happy, etc. And this is all very Marie Kondo. Like, is that, do you do that? The like, you know, I, I hold the sweater. I think, did the sweater bring me joy? No, it does not. I thank the sweater for its service. And then I put it in, like, do you actually go through that process like she talks about? Or is that a little too far? That's way too far down the woo-woo track for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's, there's a little bit of that in there, but I like to cover it from also a more practical sense because quite often when people have got to the point of needing me, they have lost themselves completely. So asking them if it brings them joy, they're like, I, I, what's joy? Nothing does anymore. Yeah. Nothing brings me joy. What's joy? I don't know what that word means. Is it foreign? Like there's, there's, there's often a lot more work that needs to happen to understand how you want your life to be. And um, I like to use the phrase of how you want to be showing up in the world, the person that you know you are that you want to be but you might not actually know who you are yet at all um depending on how deep I end up going with people like I've done qualifications in life coaching and things like that so we can go into that side of it as well and and the other one that I do backwards to a lot of um sort of declutterers and organizers and the thing that completely seems to get missed on a lot of these fancy tv shows is I do categorize first so I have a five-step process I do categorize minimize organize systemize and glamorize Yes, it took me quite a while to find all the words that had eyes on the end. <laughs> I wanted a pattern. Um, so eventually I managed to find the right words that fit my pattern and uh, explained each of the steps. And I will go in and we'll decide well, what categories do you want in this space as part of your life? So say clothing, what categories have you got in your life? So for me, I have a ball gown category. Not many people want or need a ball gown category. I disagree strongly. <laughs> After 10 and a half years in England, that is, especially as a non-typical size person, right, as a larger woman, I have ball gowns that I bought when they were on sale at Monsoon because there's <laughs> only like three places that in the UK that sell clothing for the larger lady and all of them cost six arms and five legs and every goddamn year for the holiday party it's like oh we're all gonna dress up nice are we great and so there's this expectation that there's like this black tie that you just got that lying around or that it's super easy for you to just nip down the shops and get you one. And so I called BS on the whole thing. And I had like three or four of them. And I would just wear them. And they I wore them every year during the holiday season. Like, oh, is that a lovely bright color? Yes, because I brought it, bought it in the summer sale. And I don't care. It is officially dress code. And we're good. I, I have a vintage monsoon evening gown. I absolutely love it. It's fitted me at so many different shapes and sizes. I, I've worn it at not quite my slimmest, but I worn it nearly at my slimmest up to pregnancy. 
like it's just it's a magical dress and I love it and I just put like a little vintage brooch on it here and everyone's always like oh, that's amazing and it was like a fiver in a charity shop at Vintage Monster it absolutely is beautiful I love it but yeah I have I, I used so, to do yeah I think that actually yeah. it's a very reasonable thing to have a category for that's if you have cool. anybody in your life that has like a an office job right like you're gonna wind up going to those events something something like that living in like we, we love a, we love a black tie event in London and, but it did I mean it massively paid off and um, my my partner used to speak for a company and they you'd get invited about every 10 years I think uh, you get invited because they do one table at this event and it was for the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, and it was their big London event and it was pretty spectacular I mean one of the auction prizes went for like 32,000 pounds I did not bid on it, funnily enough. <laughs> it, it's like this level. And it's at the Dorchester, which is incredible. And oh, yeah. it's just the most amazing thing. Like there'd be one or two celebrities performing throughout the night and things. So you get invited about once every 10 years in rotation. And conveniently, I met my partner and was going out with him by the time he got invited. So we got to go. And then the next year, two people pulled out last minute. And they went, oh, who in, who do we know that will have a ball gown that they can just use at last minute? And they were like, well, Jessica? Yeah, Jess and Harry will. They, they, he definitely has a tux and she will have a ball gown. So we got, uh, we got to go twice. We got to go two years in a row, which is amazing. And we got to see, um, oh, crikey. They were really famous, but Madhouse? Um, which, yeah, loads, loads yeah. of people were jealous of. And they weren't even meant to be there. They realised it was the Make-A-Wish ball. And they phoned up and said, look, we're, we, we haven't got a gig tonight and we're in London. Would you like us to come? So the, the celebrity performer got not bummed. We got both of them that, that year. And so it pays. It pays to have a ball gown. Okay, so we have categories for clothing that we have totally scrolled out here. So we have to organize our conversation, Jessica. So, so when you're helping people, you have different categories for everything. So different categories for the clothing that they yeah. want to have. Uh, presumably for things like dishes or books or like literally anything that one might have around mm -hmm. one's home. So we do categories before we minimize. Sure. So that has been, that helps take away some of the pressure of, does this spark joy? I have no idea. Because in the categories process, we will do some planning in that section. We will think about the, the areas that you want to have in your life. Uh, like I used to have a, a category of sort of out and about equipment, rock climbing and surfing and stuff like that. And I actually don't like doing any of that. <laughs> Um, and it was going through the categories when I put everything into categories for which project it was when we moved and I was resetting up like the uh, garage storage type place. Um, and I was like, why have I got this category of stuff? I don't like doing any of these things. <laughs> this is stupid. So I got rid of those. Um, but it does help people with that first step of minimizing because as we're bringing things into categories, one, they'll find a category that they just don't want in their lives anymore or the time is gone or whatever, and they can let it go. Um, but also when you categorize everything and you bring everything together, so you're like, this is all of my uh, casual t-shirts. And you're like, holy crap, I have 42 black round neck t-shirts. I don't need that many of the same thing. Even, even if that's your uniform, like some people are very, they literally have three looks and that's all they do. And um, you still don't need 42 of the same thing. And um, when it comes to clothing as well, you will have less laundry if you have less stuff. I, I know that sounds kind of obvious and then people are like, 
but surely I wash more often. But even when you are down to your last item of clothing, if you need to do catch up washes, there's less to do because you've got less stuff. It's the same with the dishes. If you wait until the last cup before you wash up your cups, but you only have six cups, you're only ever going to have six cups to catch up on. Whereas if you wait to the last cup and you have 27 cups, you've now got 27 cups to catch up on and it always feels too much to do. And so you never feel like you've caught up. And there's something so wonderful about getting on top of something. Like always ticking off, I have like a secret to getting your whole to-do list ticked off every week. And it's so satisfying to get to the end of the week. I do a weekly review, um, sometimes a Friday evening, but at the moment we're doing it Saturday morning and I'm doing it in, the face in my Facebook group as well so they can join in. And in that we tick off everything from our weekly to-do list and it's so satisfying. It feels so good. <laughs> It's only just far day. I just need to tick everything off on my to-do list and we'll all be happy. Um, and it just, whatever that I can do in my life that means I get more moments like that. And it's whatever I can do with my clients that means they get more moments like that. Because more moments like that lead to more motivation um, to keep moving forward and you don't feel like you're drowning. And I do find that is a, a fairly common theme with clients is that they feel like they're drowning and they don't even necessarily know that's what they're feeling until I put that word to it and they'll be like, I just, I just feel uh, with my stuff and with what's going on. And I'm like, you feel like you're drowning. And they're like, that's it. That's it. It's that feeling of water coming into my lungs and suffocation and I just can't breathe. And, um, but once they realize that that's what happened what's happening, they can be like, oh, okay. So I need a life raft. And you should imagine if you weren't, didn't realize you're drowning, you're not going to reach for help. But when you, once the, you sort of make that, and it's such tiny, I find that with coaching, that tiny little twist that makes someone look at something differently is the start of the new path. And things I think that's, I, yeah, I think that's really fair. I think, I guess, like I said, to my mind, I know that there's a really long journey for people to get to the, ah, why isn't my stuff where I want it to be in the first place, let alone to the notice that like they are fully drowning. And so I think that's, really interesting and I didn't know if you get contacted by like rather than the person by like their relative and being like hey I need you to fix my mom or like hey I need you to fix my nan or who you know my partner or my kid or whatever and I didn't know if you get a lot of that contact or if it is always the actual person themselves who's like okay hands up I need help and I'm calling for assistance I normally get the people coming to me. Sometimes they've been prompted to in the direction of help. They've said they need help, but they again didn't know what it was. So they've been like, well, maybe you get get a decluttering coach to come and help you just get on top of it. Um, or the downsizing, uh, I get sort of estate agents might refer. Um, and uh, or I'll pass my car if people say, oh, I've got a, a sibling or a, yeah, a family member that really could do with your help and I'll pass my card on and then it's up to them because I think if they're pushed into it, there will always be this friction to helping them move forward and they will always feel like you've been put upon them as opposed to they've asked for it and they're accepting of it coming in. And so I kind of, sh not shy away, but I prefer to be like, well, here's my card. You talk to them, you give it to them, you plant the seed 
It can even be like, oh, I just got chatting to this person at the nail bar and, and they were, they're an organisation coach. And I was just like, oh, that would be so cool to have someone come in and just like make my house so organised. And, oh, I've got two cards. Would you like one? Like, <laughs> like plant that seed that the thing exists. Mm -hmm. um, but if they are completely unaware, I mean, there are... Um, declutter coaches that specialize in like extreme yes. water. and yes. I don't I I don't do that I do feel like you need a therapist degree with yes. some of the levels of things and there needs to be a certain amount of I know I need it like I so my sister and I raised by the same parents and she is a the cheapest person you will ever meet in the nicest possible way <laughs> love my sister um but she does not like spending anything so you know if she's bought something she's she has properly researched it and you know it is worth the money and <laughs> um, but she's also a hoarder so she doesn't like spending but she hoards whereas i'm minimalist and i love spending <laughs> i'm trying to get better at that it's one of my things i'm working on um and i love shopping which is really funny same parents different mentality to stuff different mentality to spending but recently she has started making that shift and gone this is this is too much this is having a negative impact on me um and i want something different and they've uh just started doing a bit bits of work on their house as well and finishing off some projects around the house and she's like we just I'm ready to let go of more of these things her her youngest is going into secondary school and she's making that transition and it's sort of dawning on her and that's that's somebody who's got a declutter coach as a sister that still has taken that time to come around but had I pushed it on my sister and I've always made it like aware that when she wants help I will be there and I will help her and and I'd love to help her but that she needs to be ready and just shout when she's ready. Um, and we even had an agreement for a while. She's like, I understand if you can't stay overnight in my house. And I was like, that's fine. I did for the first time in ages, a couple of weekends ago, um, because things are a lot more calmer in her house now, um, that I was able to stay the night. <laughs> that sounds really bad. No, it doesn't. Like I know, so I, because again, I grew up in that environment, I'm very sensitive to it. And I have a number of friends whom I love, truly, madly, deeply adore, and who shall remain nameless for what I'm about to say, which is that they have messy homes, not hoarder homes, just like probably normal human messy, but like there's stuff on the floor and like one of them, they have animals and like you sit on the sofa and like cat hair comes up and I feel really uncomfortable in the space. Like I have a really hard time even visiting and like, it's not for want of love. It's not for any of that. And so I get it. And it's, it's such a sensitive thing, right? That it's really, I don't think I've ever even said this to them and I have very little filter. So, but like it, you don't want to go to somebody and be like, Hey, I really appreciate that you invited me to come out for the weekend, but I can't be in your space for three days. I'm a cut a bitch. And then I'm going to clean everything because it's going to like, it just, you know, and it is so hard. So how, how would you recommend for those of us that are very sensitive to tiny, tidy spaces who don't have a sisterly bond where you can get away with saying a lot more, right? Like you can get away with saying to your sister, you need my help. 
And when you're ready to see that, I am here and love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you can't say that to just your girlfriends, right? How would you recommend people have that conversation about, I can't be in your space because I'm not comfortable there because of the mess? Even though it's not like, you know, called child services or something, right? Like, yeah. it's just like a messy home and that is their home and their right to live that way. Mm. This was something I struggled with for years. And in the last few years, I found out that I'm neurodiverse. So I found out that I'm ADHD and autistic. And um, so now I have a really, a really simple out. If I just go, I'm autistic, I can't deal with it. <laughs> because that's the easiest way to explain it to people. Um, but I, for a long time, I did, I'll be honest, I had to skirt around the issue. So I like hosting. I'm much better with people when I'm in my own space. I'm not great with with group events when we go elsewhere and um, it really helped once we were the ones with the child because you can say we've got the children you should come to us because then we don't have to bring their toys or their cots or whatever so that also helped um but you suddenly reach a point where that's not an excuse anymore um so you have to hope that there's a pandemic no I'm joking <laughs> you're joking but it's not wrong because that that is always my go-to move as well I'm like you know what let's it's just easier because it's easy for me to say that I'm picky about food which I I don't actually think I am picky about food I just have very low tolerance for bad food um which is not the same as me being a fussy eater like you've overcooked that broccoli so that now when I tap it with a fork, it shatters. That is not me being a picky eater. I love broccoli. This is just no longer broccoli. (laughs) That's like, you know, so, and I'm a pretty good cook. Um, so as a result, like, it's just easier to be like, you know how I am with food. Let's just come to my house. That way, everybody knows I'm going to eat something, right? And everybody's like, okay, fine. And I find that a lot of people don't like to entertain. And so that works very nicely for me. But it doesn't always work. And there are, you know, there are those moments where your friends are like, well, let's come to my house. And, you know, I have a a good friend now. She is self-aware is the good news. Like, she is working with an organizer to get her home like in a Satan, she's also spectrum. And one of my favorite things about spectrum friends is they are not offended when you are just as blunt back to them as they are to you. They're like, Nope, I get it. Totally. Great. Great. Now we've communicated. Yay. I can't, it's it's gray area. I can't deal with gray. That's exactly what she would say. And I was like, I love you so much. Your house smells like cats and there is mess everywhere. And it gives me a headache and makes me uncomfortable to be in your home. And she was like, oh, me too. Great. Let's just not do things at my house. Good talk. Perfect. All right. That would See, that would be my recommendation. I think it, if you don't have that level of relationship with the person, I would probably say it's probably there is no right way to have that conversation. Uh, so it's either constantly suggesting alternatives and... Um, Let's go anywhere but your house. Anywhere. Or you have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think some people have, like some people don't have like having cats. Some people have more sensitive smells. It's not always just about um the the space and it being too messy. Um, I often feel a lot more comfortable in my own space. Um, and I like hosting. Uh, we add to that that we also went vegan in the pandemic. So I can say I can use that. <laughs> you yeah. come to us because. 
you won't know what we eat and it's just easier then we don't have to bring all the different butters and the milks and all the things you just come to us so much better um, but if you don't want to have all these other <laughs> you don't want to use any of those things whether they are true or not about you and um, then I I think unfortunately you just you just have to be blunt and um, or not go um, and there would there have been times where I've been like I'm, I'm not sure I can continue to cultivate this friendship because I can't be in their space, but we're not at that point. And I just, I just, it's hard. But I just think life's, life's too short. I yeah. find it too stressful to deal with that. Why do I, life's stressful enough. Like just, you can have the simplest of life and there will still be stress in it. Why would I want to add it to it by trying to cultivate with a friend with, friendship with someone who I can't even be in their space? <laughs> Totally and completely agree. I will say that the friends in question are definitely worth the aggro. So that's there's by that. The time you, by the time you know they're worth the aggro, you're probably also in a space where the friend the relationship is at a point where you can be more blunt with each other. Oh, for sure. And like one of my friends, I have definitely been like, girlfriend, you have like eight billion children and a tiny English home. That results in a level of chaos that I cannot handle. There is a reason that I have a giant American home <laughs> for my two children. And even I, then I'm like, so many things. Yeah. I, I have to, we go places. I mean, we don't tend to go places very much. Um, but if we do, I have to do hotels. I don't like staying in people's houses. Um, it's like, I've got a, a friend that I made during the pandemic on clubhouse. And uh -huh. um, yeah, and uh, I've made a few friends on Clubhouse. I, I really enjoyed it. It's plummeted really here in the UK. It's yeah. it's massive. It's huge over here. Yeah. So I think there's not there wasn't enough done within our time zone. They stopped mm. marketing and things here, and so the the rooms that I'd be interested in are never on at times that are appropriate here in the UK. Um, which is a real shame because yeah, I did. I loved the format of it. I loved just plugging my headphones in and going for walks and having these amazing conversations. I met some brilliant friends on there. And I've got this one lady and, and said, oh, you've got to come and her health is a bit up and down. My health has been a bit up and down. So we said, at some point we do really want to meet. Um, she knows that I'm not good with new spaces. So I said, oh, I would love you to come and stay. And she was like, do you have any scented plugins? And I'm like, heck no I hate those things they're too over the smell is too overwhelming and too artificial for me and there's a lot of research studies into them poisoning you um <laughs> I just don't want to risk it I'm like I'm not a big conspiracy person but I don't actually want to risk that um and she's like do you have any oil diffusers and I was like I have one left over from the old house where we had a smelly bathroom under the stairs I couldn't get rid of the smell but it's about to run out and we will not be replacing it. And she's like, good. Yes, I would love to come and stay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she knows. She can deal with anything else, but she can't deal with those two things. The two that she'd rather save up and wait a little bit longer and pay for a hotel than deal with those things. So we're waiting for my oil diffuser to run out. And then she will come because I I'm it's it does I think it smells lovely and it takes me so long to find a scent that I do like. Um but but she was just completely honest with it. And it just opened up, uh, I mean, it says a lot about the place we were in our friendship to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But we both appreciated it from both sides. Like how much more awkward I feel if she was like, no, 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 I don't, I, it's fine, it's fine, I'll just get a hotel. I'd rather she was just completely honest with it and said, I 
I, I, I can't deal. I can't deal with those things. I can't deal with plugins. So I'm not going to. So. I love that level of specificity. See, and I am the opposite. I'm like, I can't deal with smells. Like I'm super sensitive to smell. So like my children have smells. My dogs have smells. Food that gets cooked has smells. And so I have those plugins that you hate everywhere. Because then my house always smells baseline, like this delightful fragrance that I have picked out, as opposed to the rest of life. And like right now, like they're at, they last for 30 days and they're right at the end. And I'm like, I got a whip of dog the other day. I'm nope. It is. Nope. nope. Not dealing with that. Yeah. It is time. Either the dog must go or the plug-in must be changed. One of <laughs> these two things is going to happen because it it is like, and I think it's so interesting that like, people are so particular about space. And I think that the pandemic has really highlighted this for so many of us, like how important our space is, how we live in it, how we, all of the details, right? Like, what does it smell like? What is the lighting like? What is the, what types of colors do you use mm -hmm. and where do you use them? So like, I love duvets that are like super brightly colored, like, you know, this kind of a, a fabric or print. I'm like, that looks fantastic. I cannot have that in my room. <laughs> my room is all of the colors of a storm, right? So it's grays and like smoky blues and like dark colors. And my husband was like, could we not like a little bit? I mean, no, there will be no bright color. And then when we get into it, he's like, oh, I just want to, curl up and go to sleep I'm like that is the point of the color scheme so we have like dove gray walls our sheets like all of our linens are either navy or charcoal and then like the duvet is like a similar and he's just like everything about this screams snuggle up and go to sleep <laughs> like that is what this space is for yeah and I, that's one of the, I think one of the most beneficial spaces to tidy and organize is your bedroom. Because if you get better sleep, everything gets better. Yeah. Sleep is like the foundation. I love sleep. I've had two naps today. <laughs> now sleep. I'm really jealous. I... It's half past eight. It's half past eight. <laughs> Not, well, no, it's nearly half past nine at night here now. So I have had the whole day and it's, um, it's been quite, uh, I had to go and do a food shop today which is one of my big autistic triggers. I do not appreciate the, the experience at all. And I had a five-year-old that's been on summer holidays uh, for, where are we now? Like six weeks already. And I've still got two more to go. So it was, it was an intense day. I needed my naps. Um, no judgment. No, I will, I will work. Just envy. I had a load of work that was meant to happen. Um, I'm working on a, a planner, a collaboration planner with someone. And I had loads of stuff that I've got to get in next week um, to go to publishers. And uh, no, I will work at the weekend. I need to do my naps. Um, <laughs> but it was, um, I'm now completely lost my train of thought. I need my naps. Oh, sleep. Yeah. So with sleep, everything gets better. So if you're, if you're going to do one thing to improve like your health or well-being or whatever, it's sleep better. Everyone's like, I'm going to start going to the gym or I'm going to start eating better. Or, I'm going to start drinking better. I was like, those three things are much harder than improving your sleep. Go for the easy one that is also going to have the better impact. Sleep. Low hanging fruit. Um, well, and I think to that point, it's what's really interesting. So I um, was diagnosed with fibromyalgia a few years ago. And um, when I got diagnosed, I was talking to my GP and I was like, great. This sucks. It hurts. Ow. What are we going to do about it? And he was like, well, step one, we're going to do a sleep study. I was like, I can't wait. Eight hours of sleep sounds fantastic. 
And he was like, when was the last time you had eight hours? I was like, my dude, I have two small children. I can't even spell eight hours of sleep, let alone do it. <laughs> and he was like, tell me more. <laughs> and so I figured out that I was having no more than two to three hours of contiguous sleep. So I would sleep for like two hours and then get woken up and then deal with babies or dogs or what have you. Mostly babies. The mm -hmm. dogs mostly sleep through the night. You know, sometimes they fart in their sleep and that wakes everybody up. But like in general, like they're just sleeping dogs. But the children, like they have nightmares and, you know, pee and need things, right? So at most I was getting like two hours of contiguous sleep. And he was like, right, here's, here's what I need to have happen. He was like, I need you to have two weeks straight where you get a minimum of six hours a night of contiguous sleep. And then we can start doing some benchmarking. And he's like, because until you're there, you are so sleep deprived that any other symptom you could possibly have would just be explained by being that sleep deprived. Yeah. And I was like, that was a very unhelpful answer, Dr. Lewis. I would like a pill or a diet change or something very simple. So it is amazing, though, like how the point of all that story was to say, like how important sleep is and how much of a change it can be. And I think that people don't notice how much little things in their environment really impact that right so like having your phone near the bed we know there's all kinds of studies that like Our bringing your phone not, into yeah, your they room do not live in bedrooms phones so my phone goes to bed in my office um, which is on our same floor as our, our bedroom now. It used to be on a different floor and I'd have to like walk up more stairs which is just so much <laughs> my partner's phone goes to sleep in the kitchen um, but it is at the point where if people phone his continuously and the vibration is continuous, it will wake him up. So if it's an emergency, people can get up because we don't have a landline or anything to ring. Right. Because um, it's 2022. And so people don't. Sure. No, we just don't don't have that. So mine, um, anyone that would need to contact us in emergency has my partner's number. His is on vibrate. So if it vibrates continuously, we will hear it through the floor. And um, mine goes to sleep in my bedroom. The only electronic thing, we don't have a TV or anything in there. And um, the only thing we do have is the alarm clock and we have a sunrise alarm clock that doesn't beep. So it can beep if we've got a plane to catch, which hasn't happened for like four years, but when we next have a plane to catch, we will turn the beeping on um, just to be on the safe side. But we have the sunrise comes up. He usually gets up about halfway. I think it's about 20 minutes the sunrise is for. And he normally gets up about halfway. Um, and I normally wake up about the time it's fully bright. And then he'll prod me a few times just to make sure like he'll have gone out and done some stuff. And then I'll be like, you are awake, right? Just checking. Because um, sometimes I'm like, we're going to have to put the beep back on because I will just keep sleeping. And... Um, and it just, that's the only electronics that we have in there. And even that, even that little time on there, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to stick some tape over it. Like I really don't want to deal with that even. Um, but if you do, so if you do have a TV, like put tape over like the little light or turn it off at the wall so there's no little lights. Find bedrooms for your phones. The phones do not, do not want them in there. If your phone is your alarm clock, go on Amazon right now or any other, obviously other retailers are available, um, but go on wherever and order another alarm clock. We do not be needing uh, phones as alarm clocks. 
uh, because of course you pick it up and you turn the alarm off and then you do a load of other things as well. So it's not just that the phone has then been there as your alarm clock, it's the fact that it will then be the first thing you touch. I, I massively recommend the sunrise alarm clocks. They're so lovely. And I, I do find that if you've got a better way of waking up, you do sleep better. Like there's something your body is already feeling the stress of your alarm clock. If it's in a stressful experience in the morning, you're going to bed and you're already going, I'm going to be waking up to this stressful thing. Have that sunrise is so lovely, but it's, it, it's we tried those and I had the opposite experience because I found that I was so stressed about would the sunrise alarm clock wake me up in time to catch my train that I would be like, Oh God. Oh no. Okay. It's 3 AM. Fine. I can go back to sleep. Like I was super stressed about it. And so like we, so we used like a, a radio alarm and it was just like the slow build of Chris Moyles and that will get you out of bed as it turns out like that. <laughs> progressively louder Chris Moyles in the morning is definitely like a reason to get out of bed and hit a button. Um, yes. so. <laughs> something like making your brain go, oh, there's something happening outside of me. I need to, I need to pay attention to that. What is that thing? Be it a sound growing or be it the sun coming, the light coming up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sleep with a sleep mask, but I'll take it off in my sleep. So I put it on to get to sleep. I seem to take it off in my sleep and it does wake me up. But we did... I think for about a year we had the buzzer on. So we had the sunrise with the buzzer and then we started getting rid of the buzzer at like the weekends where if we woke up too late and didn't make it to church, it's like the world won't end and God will forgive us <laughs> and, or whatever it was we were doing. If it wasn't, if there wasn't like an appointment with someone else um, that we wouldn't, it, us being late would negatively impact someone. We started turning it off on those days um, and then it, so we slow, it slowly just became our norm. Like I said, if there's something like I'm in a wedding, got a plane to catch, anything like that, uh, then we will put the buzzer on. Um, but my, luckily so far, my, well, even when I sleep through things, my partner doesn't. So that, that kind of works out. You've got to have a bit of a balance there. But the decluttering your room and feeling that improvement in your sleep will feel like such a win that it helps spur on the other ones. Um, I think the same is true for kitchens. Like mm. after bedrooms, I would say kitchen is like the because then because you don't want to cook if it's a mess, no. and so then you eat shit, and then yeah. you feel shit, <laughs> and so the like easier your kitchen is to engage with. In my experience, yeah. the more likely I am to cook. Like if I walk in and I'm like, oh, step one, clean all the things. Oh fuck it, DoorDash. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this was one of my first decluttering projects that I worked on with clients because I started doing it when I had. So I used to have my own um, health and fitness studio in central London, and um, it was lovely. I had the dream commute, dream London commute. It was only an hour, <laughs> and it was. And in in the UK, I guess that's the equivalent of like three hours in America. <laughs> in the UK, an hour is like whoa, that's a yeah. Big but London is. It's, it's pretty standard. And I had five minute walk to the train station. It was overground. So I had signal. I know there's signal underground now as well, but there wasn't then. Um, and then I had a five minute walk at the other end. Like I was living the commuting dream. That is such the freaking dream. I did an hour and a half each way with like a half a mile walk. And then I had to do train and then um, a bus and then a walk and like the whole, yeah. Oh. That was, that that was the dream. dream. And I had the hideous one. When I first moved to London, I had the hideous one. And it was, 
I was re-qualifying. So I took on, I was doing a reception manager job. And then the manager of the whole business got fired by the owner and she expected me to then just do everything. And I was like, hmm, probably not. And um, I didn't last. I think I was there like six weeks. And it was the first time since I was 20 that I'd worked for someone else. And this is, see, I did try and go back to work for someone else. And I, I kid you not, I cried every day. And it was a mixture of, I just hated it. I'd moved to London in the depths of winter from Cornwall, which is like countryside and beach and surfing and very chilled and running my own business and got divorced and moved to London and had to deal with this horrendous commute of five in the morning. And then all these miserable as sin yogis, like this, you know, the stereotypical yogis. And I'm not saying all yoga people are like this. Like I have some good friends that are yoga instructors and they're lovely, but they were the stereotypical psychotic yogis. Um, that seem to be members at this place. So dealing with them at stupid o'clock in the morning after a horrendous commute, I'm not surprised that I had to excuse myself once a shift to go and cry somewhere. Like it was just, no, it was too much. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, when I had this like overground commute, it was just wonderful. Anyway, that was a massive digress. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a shiny okay. person. I'm like, oh, squirrel, oh, shiny thing. Let's talk about that instead. Um, but I started doing with clients when we started talking about nutrition, I didn't do food plans. I do have nutrition qualifications, but I didn't do any food programs. I liked doing little changes with them. Um, and most of my clients, um, when I was a in, in the health and wellness and fitness, were people that were so un, they were so unfit that it felt like they were ill, but they weren't ill. They were just so unfit. So they'd be like, there must be something wrong with my lungs because I'm always, I get so out of breath. And it's like, no, you're just that unfit and your diet is just that bad. They haven't got to it being an actual medical condition. Chances are it would have progressed there, but they just needed, they didn't need anything psychotic. Um, they might might lose some weight, might be a benefit, but they weren't, they just wanted to feel better. That was kind of my, my niche as it were. And um, and going into their kitchens and doing declutters with them and going through like the labels on the food that they had in their fridges and their freezers and and helping them understand they like oh, I've got all this food but I never know what to cook and we'd go through in half it was out of date or like had something and they were actually allergic to so of course they never used it and that was like my first step into physical decluttering with clients was going into kitchens and um, the spice drawer brilliant win because it's really satisfying. There's usually loads of out-of-date stuff in there. It's small things, so you don't feel too bad throwing it out. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it can be very satisfying. The spice drawer is probably one of my favourite places to suggest people start. Um, or that kind of like the condiments section, the sauces, those kind of bits and pieces um, that can be really fun. And be honest with yourself, be like, I, I just never use this. It's never going to happen. Um, and don't feel bad. Like you can get rid of, there's an app called Olio, which I know is international and you can list even open food. So depending on the country you're in, depends on like in the UK, we can put um, stuff on there that is past its best before date but not its sell by date. I think we get like a day on sell by date and there's like food heroes that go to supermarkets and rescue stuff, but you can put open things on there because that's often one of the, the the sort of hurdles that people letting go of things is they they don't want it to go to landfill or they they still see it as money. But once yeah. you've bought the thing, the money has been, the money is gone. It's not worth, it's not worth that money anymore. Even if it's pristine with the tags on. And I do store and sell for some of my clients. So I'll store some of their items so that they can get to enjoy their newly decluttered house 
and then I sell the, their items for a percentage. Um, so they don't have to deal with the selling and they can get rid of the item soon. I can only do it depending on what space I've got in my home at the time. And then um, it's so much easier. They're like, oh, great. Oh, yeah, no, I do want to let that thing go. And I was like, you were telling me you were going to keep it a minute ago. And they're like, yeah, but I didn't really want to waste the money. And I didn't know where it would go. So like knowing where your parameters are with what you're going to sell, knowing places like Olio, where you make up, open makeup, they will take it on there because there'll be people that are like training as makeup artists that will be putting it on dummies. So it doesn't matter if it's out of date and stuff like that. Um, knowing a couple of like good charity shops near you. So somewhere that's good for furniture and someone that's good for clothes or someone that's good for books so that you aren't just holding the item up and going, does this spark joy? Um, <laughs> Cause you know, like, that doesn't quite work, but you're going, is this staying with me or is it going to, X charity shop where they'll make some money from it or is it going to the hospital book bin like it's so much easier when you can see this treasured thing you liked it enough to buy it or bring it into your home or whatever and unless you were given it and unless, I, I, yeah, I was it. thinking that but like you 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 it's easier to let it go if you know where it's going to and like who it's going to benefit next um, or if you know it's going to be sold, you're going to make some money from it. So having like in mind where something's going to go before you decide if it's going or staying, I find does help people. It lifts some of the guilt, like knowing where it's going to go. And um, it's like, as long as I can fit it in my car, I will take client stuff and go and drop it off. I'm big into like recycling. <laughs> so I, we haven't filled, we've lived here over a year and we filled our wheelie bin once wow um everything else gets recycled or upcycled or composted or whatever and um, so we recycling bins we go out every week but our black wheelie bin which is our normal rubbish rarely goes out um i think the only time we got close to filling it's because i've gone on a litter pick and i did not want to sort through it because i was pretty sure there was some human poop in it oh but yeah, i was not fair. i was not sorting that into recycling no no i have no. my limits <laughs> pretty hardcore but I have my limits um, wow it's so I quite I quite like if if people have got stuff and they're like oh we'll just throw it in the bin it's fine I'm like no that's recyclable I'll take it home and sort it out and put it in the right places like in the UK you're not meant to throw batteries in the bin mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like in other countries but always worth checking you're not meant to phone batteries uh put any kind of prescription medications stuff like that shouldn't go in the bin or down the sink or in the loos or anything like that it should go back to pharmacies and um, but often clients were like, oh, just throw it in the bin, it's fine. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so as long as it fits in my car, I'm always going to have to have a big car. As long as it fits in my car, I will take it um, and put it into the right place. Um, I try and make decluttering as eco-friendly as possible. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not naturally an eco-friendly pursuit. So I, I try and do my, do my best. Like I source um, free furniture or secondhand furniture for clients if they need bits for storage and things like that. Um, I'll sort of rock up. My my daughter knows she'll spot the word free. Oh, mummy, you're like that. It's free. It's free. Oh wow. Just <laughs> free on it, mummy. And you're the anti clutter person, and you're out collecting everybody else's clutter. This seems ridiculous, Jessica. <laughs> I've got to know where it's going to go, so I will actively look. Um, my partner and I do upcycle furniture together as like a little side project, something 
they they say all good relationships should have like a game that you play together like you should play go play tennis together or something but he's really good at sports and I'm not and I'm really competitive so that went out the window real quick that's fair that's fair because um, I was like I'm not losing <laughs> um so we yeah we upcycle furniture together has become our our fun sort of weekend thing um but it does mean that I'm I'm often looking and if I know a client needs a filing cabinet um then you'll snag one off the yeah. We get one for free. Yeah. There you go. So having me often pays for itself between the selling of things and the finding of things for free that normally don't end up really costing them very much at all. So I love it. So it is hard to leave, but we are not only out of time, but over time by a little. So oh, what have oh. I not asked you that I should have done? Oh, so many things. All the things. Probably. <laughs> don't, the, don't buy stuff to declutter. That would be my my glamorized. It feels counterintuitive, really. Yeah, we, you are being you are being sold the idea that the decluttering starts with the container store, um, which I really want to come to America to experience. But that is the last thing. Use the shoeboxes. Use all the things that you've got with you. Um, don't underestimate the power of actually having a coach and a system to work with. I think with so many TV shows and YouTube channels and things, people think they can do it themselves, but it's a bit like therapy in the way that, yes, you can do a certain amount yourself, but you will never really get to the, the root problems and make long lasting change and be able to keep the motivation going now. I, I'm your motivation or whoever you work with becomes your motivation. Um, and obviously if you're not in the UK or near me you can't work with me in person I do have an online membership and um, so it's only 12 pounds a month which is about 15 dollars which is super cheap super mm -hmm. cheap super economical I don't mind the word cheap super economical and um, and therefore you get me in there being your motivation but you also get the rest of the community in there being your motivation which is really nice um, and I have my like my full all my courses go in there included so all my decluttering organization courses and we do challenges in there we have a book club in there and um, we have the community in there there's loads of different printables and downloadables and um, so we do sort of a monthly check-in and we all plan out our goals for the next month within there and there's lovely principles and stuff that you can use for all those bits and pieces um which I'm currently putting together into a planner and if it goes on track, by the time this comes out, the planners, planners will be available. Be available. <laughs> and we will have the link in the show notes. So, yes, yes it should Perfect. be. It's, it's at that tipping point where at the moment. Fewer naps will mean that this yeah. happens. So I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you empty out a cupboard and it looks more of a mess, even though you've actually decluttered loads of it and it's getting better. That's the place the plan is in at the moment. It's the cupboard that's been emptied, but it's, it, I know it's going to be amazing and it's get it. It's so close, but it's, it's basically all my years of, of different bits that I've helped people with. We, we're kind of sort of, working tagline of uh the planner for the organized inept <laughs> i like it i like, like it. simple i like simple but um yeah if if you are in the uk and you want to work with me face to face there's that option i do online one-to-one and -one, um, things like i said i don't like leaving my house so that's a great option for me <laughs> um so i can work with people that way or come and join the membership um which is obviously the um there's so much more it's so much more than just 
the organization coaching in there and uh, we call it happy lifestyle club for a reason it's because we're all trying to find happiness in a realistic way um, and in all its different shapes and sizes and sort of understanding who we are and how we want to be showing up in the world so um, lo- i absolutely love my little community in there they're love the, it. the best <laughs> well thank you so so much it's been such a pleasure thank you so much jessica Bye. You've been listening to Hey, I Want Your Job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no nonsense career advice, and real world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Insta for more insider information. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job. <laughs>